Optimize My Life, the ultimate radio show where we unlock the secrets to living our best lives. Now, before we dive into this exciting journey of self-improvement and empowerment, I want to take a moment to thank our incredible sponsor, The Hope Collection, for making this show possible. Their unwavering commitment to spreading hope and positivity in our lives is truly remarkable. We believe in the power of interaction, so we want you to be a part of this incredible journey. Call in, write to us, or connect on social media. We'd love to hear your questions, experiences, and challenges. Together, we'll create a thriving community of like-minded individuals, supporting each other to thrive and shine. Well, good afternoon, everyone, and um, welcome to our show today. It's Nutrition Matters with Beth Wyman. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I know, um, listen up and um, call in if you have a chance and learn um something from Beth because she is a registered dietitian and very, very knowledgeable in um, all things relating to nutrition and health. So with that, welcome, welcome, Beth. Welcome to the show today. Hi, thank you. I'm currently making another cup of coffee (laughs) because this... I got caught up into doing like some billing things for private practice this morning and just mm-hmm. completely lost track of time. Usually I've like I'm sitting at my desk, I've got my coffee ready and everything ready to go by the time we get to this point in the day. And I just didn't <laughs> didn't happen today by any stretch. Well, um luckily I put an alarm on my phone <clears throat> for eleven forty five because that's as soon as you can um log on to um, Blog oh, Talk yeah. Radio, open the show. And, you know, at 11 o'clock, 11.30, I, you know, no problem. All of a sudden, the alarm goes off. It's like, good thing I shut the alarm for every Wednesday so that, <laughs> so that usually, I know what time well, it is. Yeah, usually I have like a 10-minute timer, and that's when I call in and, like, I get myself settled. Well, I call <laughs> in and I chat with whoever else is on, and it just – um. You know, today was different because I was, like, way down deep into, like, trying to read through, like, the Center for Medicare and Medicaid Services, like, guidelines and things. And I just (laughs) was totally lost. Uh Uh-oh. So, yeah, so Mary actually sent me something. Um, that I thought was interesting and I really wanted to dive into today. Um, and it really brings in more, like, yes, the nutrition component because it's food-related, but also very much like the public health component and looking at our food as like a, like our where we get our food as a system, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so it's looking at what she had sent me was, this article about um, pesticides in, or just chemicals, it says, found in Cheerios and Quaker oats and other oat-based foods. And I actually had something I really didn't dive into, but I had somebody else recently tell me, like, they no longer eat oat-based foods because it's going to leach minerals from your body, which is not true. Yeah, I'm... I honestly didn't even bother going and looking it up more. I was just like, oh, I imagine how okay. could even work, but okay. <laughs> like, that's not, so, no. Oat-based foods, so, excuse me, as I choke. Hmm. Um, Cheerios are an oat-based food, right? And I think we talked about this last time, too, that Cheerios are an oat-based food. Maybe mm-hmm. Um but um, And they're great for heart health. And I think that's how it came up last episode. They're really wonderful for your heart health oats because the type of fiber 
that it's found in there. It's something called beta-glucans are wonderful at helping to lower cholesterol. Um, a lot of times when people come to me looking to lower their cholesterol, they're like, I've, I've, you know, do I need to go vegetarian? Do I need to cut out all animal products and go super low fat? And that's just not, not the case. Um, it's always good to look and see if you can cut out some like really high fat foods or like high animal fat foods to help lower how much cholesterol you're taking in. Cause we oh, all sure. make cholesterol as animals. But a lot of times it comes down to moving more, right? Even just like going for a walk and increasing how much fiber you're getting. And then that's like sort of the magic trick for lowering cholesterol. So without, you know, if we're going to suddenly demonize oat products, we're really doing ourselves a disservice because it's just going to be that much harder to hit those fiber goals for the day. It's, mm-hmm. it's not easy. Um, the recommendation is 25 to 30 grams of fiber every day. And that's, you know, that's making sure that you're getting in whole grains probably at least twice a day that you're getting in. I mean, beans once a day would really help. And then fruits and vegetables with every meal, right? That would get you to that goal. But, um, that's definitely not. That's not what we would call, like, the standard American diet. No. Um, (laughs) At all. Especially for some reason, beans. Um, I feel like we don't see as, like, a daily thing in a standard American diet, which is really too bad because they're also very cheap. Yeah, it's funny. I think more in the summer – eating, um, like, baked beans or something like that, but seems to be um, more of a picnic food. Oh, really? Yeah, this, we do, um, like, in our house, we have a roasted chickpeas as a snack a lot, and then um, we also do, like, I'll do black beans. I'll just, like, saute them, and then recently I just kind of kept them in the fridge and added them to stuff. Um, or like beans and rice where you're just combining the two together is pretty, is normal in other cultures, but not necessarily like that standard American diet. Mm-hmm. Um, that's such a missed opportunity for adding in fiber. I Oh, that's what I, I put them in scrambled eggs. I put black beans in scrambled eggs last week. Mm. It was good. I mean, it's not. You know, they're not necessarily like a strong flavor, and it, the texture went well. So, yeah. Um, all right, so let's see. Beth, I can it jump was... in right there. Oh, hi. Yeah, sure. This country boy, again, you're right. It's, it's not an American culture kind of thing, but in different parts of the country you'll see it. I just happened to be country and grew up watching Gunsmoke and all the cowboy movies. And it was traditional for us to have beans just about three to four times a week. Excuse my French. We had a little saying that says soup beans. Soup beans is what we call them because there was a a nice roux down in there that had a lot of juice in it. And, of course, we had cornbread or some type of biscuits every day or some type of bread every day. But it was soup beans, soup beans, good for your heart. The more you eat them, the more you the more you start, the more you feel. So eat soup beans whenever your meal. Uh, the other night, I, I'm sometimes I'm on the run. I love to cook, but I fell in love with the uh, 90-second um, rice. They got long grain and brown rice. Well, every time I cook rice, uh, brown rice, it takes me 20 to 30 minutes. And I, between there and, and finishing it, I'll, it's going to either stick to the pot, I'll burn it because I'm doing something else, forgot it was cooking. But the brown rice, long grain brown rice, I mix quite often with baked beans. Uh, when the holidays blew in and we had the honey baked ham, I might chisel some of the honey baked ham up in the beans to give them just a little bit more flavor. And even during the holidays around Thanksgiving and New Year's as the Afro-American culture, we always had what we call black-eyed peas. 
Uh, there's yeah. just so many different types of nutritional beans. And matter of fact, last year I had five different kinds. Uh, they call them field peas. Some people call them crowder peas. We grew those. Green beans, we probably eat year-round as a side choice of a vegetable. If you don't know what to eat, and a lot of people around here don't eat a whole lot of broccoli, green beans is always an alternative for having something green every night or three or four times a week that green bean falls into position. And then we have what we call bean soup. So if you have the leftover beans, uh, black beans left in the fridge, and two or three days ago you might have uh, cooked some beans and put them in a little Ziploc and froze them, then you've never had something so wonderful as have a, a type of bean soup. And, again, it might be so served over rice or not. But I love the bean conversation because, again, I'm a, I'm a country boy slash cowboy, and we eat beans traditionally three to five times a week. That's wonderful. It's so good for so many different things, right, besides, like, the increased fiber, the effects. Well, yeah, any of the fiber is going to help cholesterol. It's wonderful. You know, everybody talks about pre and probiotics, and really a prebiotic is just fiber. So you don't have to take a supplement. You can just eat high-fiber foods like beans and get the same benefit. When you Um, say benefits, what? That's, That's without running for the border. Again, that fiber does make you uh, consistently consistent. But if you just think about it, if you're eating three meals a day, then you probably should go two to three times a day. And a lot of people don't do that. So I'm glad you're talking about fiber today because I'm supposed to be taking a friend of mine who's on meds now, and he don't eat his normal diet. And I said, well, how you doing today? He says, actually, I'm kind of constipated. (laughs) (laughs) i got to bring you a bowl of beans. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Oh, there is an international code. So... So the thing Mary sent me, right, about the, the pesticides, or it really the title of the article really just says chemicals, but once you get into it and read it, it's looking at the pesticides used in the production of the oats, right? So way back to, like, the farming aspect versus the actual product that you're eating. Um, and that's something that maybe that people don't always think about is where the food is coming from. And it's it's something that works well for, like, scare tactic documentaries um, to look at, industrialized farming. Um, But at the end of the day, it is definitely an area of privilege to be able to grow your own food or buy it locally versus going and getting what's cheapest at the store, right? So... Um, from that public health perspective of looking at how do you feed everybody in an effective manner, there's always going to be some variety of industrialized farming. Otherwise, there just isn't enough food for the entire planet. Mm -hmm. It's just kind of the way it is. It's not bad. It just is. And then where some of these other things come in, right, of looking at, like, well, what about the chemicals that we're using on them? It's, there's a lot of unknown, right? It's not necessarily that you, you don't always know, like, oh, yes, this can absolutely cause problems, in which case then it's taken off. Think about, like, DDT, right? Like, that was a chemical um, pesticide that used to be used that they found had huge impacts on health, so it was pulled and is no longer used. Um, Super effective as a pesticide, but horrible for people. Um, But it's, so there are testing standards. And I mean, you could get into some serious like conspiracy theories on the political aspects of the testing standards, but there are testing standards that these, um, uh, these pesticides have to go through by country. Um, so, like, what we're allowed to use might be different than what, like, Europe is allowed to use. Um, and so it's an, an imported product might not be held to the same standards as something that's, like, grown here. Um, mm-hmm. Or vice versa. Sometimes, sometimes um, especially, like, Europe will have stricter standards than we do 
on certain things. So it's kind of interesting. There's no, there's no broad global set standard for um, like pesticide use and industrial farming practices. The World Health Organization does put out, um, oh, what do they call it? Very good. I don't think you necessarily have to abide by it, but it's sort of their recommendations, if mm-hmm. you will. Um, and so many countries will go with that and try to make sure that they adhere to that. But again, they don't, they don't have to. And at the end of the day, it's, it's a business. So they're trying to make sure that they can produce the most out of each crop with the least amount of loss, right? That's the entire point of the pesticides is to reduce crop loss um, to produce enough food. So it's like, where's the, where's the line, right? And I don't necessarily have an answer. Like, where's the line between making sure that enough is produced and watching what's put on it and um, what could potentially be leaching into your food? It's not even guaranteed. Um, and I'm looking question, for... Question, Beth. Oh, sure. Um, and again, you said we don't really have a way of tracking and analyzing. And I had a conversation last night with a couple of friends of mine. We was talking about the price of organic foods. We want to eat oh, yeah. better. We want to be healthier. But who can afford organic food? And just to got tickled, my neighbor has a chicken farm. He produces about 30,000 eggs a month. And then maybe two years ago, uh, once a week, he brings eggs by my house, 10 flats. That's two and a half dozen per flat, y'all. <laughs> That's so, a lot of eggs. What am I going to do with all these eggs? So now they call me the egg man in the community. But I said <laughs> that to say he educated me because we would start to talk about organic growing and how the local farmers here in the area use his waste from his chicken houses to fertilize the fields. And if you see the fields now, they're already green. Now, I said all that to say he introduced me to, are you all familiar with double yolk eggs? Sure. Oh, I've seen those where there's two yolks in it. Okay, yeah, but still, he gives them to us. They're healthy. They got more nutrition in them. But, did you all hear that but? That means it cancels everything I just said. But he says the chickens produce double yolk eggs because they're in stress mode. They haven't got a regular sleeping schedule. They haven't got a regular eating schedule. And until they do that, it takes about 60 to 90 days. They're stressed and they lay double yolk eggs. But once he gets them on a sleeping, eating, drinking habit and – they start to produce single yolk eggs, but they produce twice as many eggs. So I'm like, get out of here. I'm like, yeah. I was like, yeah, clever. You know, you know, I didn't know that. It, but so I said that to say my question. Because you, you don't see them too often, but every once in a while you'll get a double yolk, and I never knew why. That's yeah, I never knew either. So my question, Beth, is for us who do and love healthy eating and you start to go out to the grocery <laughs> store, if you don't have a huge family and you want to buy something that's got labeled organic and it costs almost twice as much around here, how do we really yeah. know what that what we're buying is actually better for us just because they put it on the pack and, and label it excuse me, from organic? That's an awesome question. Organic doesn't necessarily mean healthier, Um, right? Organic just means that they've used different pesticides and different fertilizers. (laughs) So, and it can honestly, like you mentioned how how some of the farms use his, like, chicken waste for fertilizer, right? That brings in just different concerns, right? Yes, it's organic, you've, and so it sounds great. You've got this organic product, but now you've got salmonella risk because you're using chicken waste. So it's like you've, got a, you've just got a different concern than the one you were trying to avoid. It's just different. Um, so you're not necessarily eating something that's, that's 
better for you or going to help you live longer, help you get a better nutrient profile, definitely not going to help you get a better nutrient profile just because it's organic. Um, uh, It would be if, if for whatever reason you're genuinely concerned about, like, this chemical exposure piece of it. But then, like I said, it just means it's different ones. It's just organic versus non-organic uh, compounds. It's not, it's not that there's no pesticides involved. It's just different ones or different fertilizers. So really it's a lot of marketing. Yeah. Um, really to get like more nutrient dense food um, locally grown. And I know we've covered this like locally grown where it's picked when it's ripe is going to be best or frozen when you're looking at produce because then it's picked and flash frozen when it's ripe. And so you're getting more, it's had more time to absorb nutrients from the soil. Or um, if you've got the money for it, there's, um, there's a whole movement of like regenerative, regenerative agriculture where they're looking at putting more nutrients back in the soil and, when I used to run a gardening program, this is one of the things that we taught to the kids in the program was like cover cropping. And so making sure that in either like your off season or rotating out different patches during different growing seasons and planting a cover crop, um, a lot of times we would use like soybeans to literally not even be harvested just to plant, replenish minerals in the soil and even just till back into the soil sometimes. Um, Mm -hmm. to maintain the nutrient components in the soil that the food's grown in. And that's something that that. doesn't go on the package. (laughs) Yeah, thank you for saying that too, Beth, because with me being a country boy again, organic to me means exactly what you just said, except we call it crop rotation. In the same soil, we grew beans, we grew corn, we grew squash, we grew soybeans or collard greens or turnip greens. They grow turnip greens here locally to give away. And it has more, 10 times more nutrition than spinach. And then the turnips that are grown completely in the soil, this same guy that's growing turnips to give away, he introduced me to now they're growing I don't know if you guys know that the sweet potato was an albino potato before it turned orange, before we uh, changed it with the ingredients in the soil. So to me, crop rotation, and we have, my garden has organic stuff in it because the only thing I put on that garden is pure lime, which you can eat and put on your tongue and it won't hurt you, and ashes. They come from my fireplace mm-hmm. and my friend's wood heater. They pile yeah. them up for me, and I go by. Now, if if that's not organic with a with the complements of, of soil rotation, and then we keep water. Everybody here in the valley, where we call it valley, has real rivers and creeks. So the people that tell me that they're growing organic vegetables, my first question to them, Beth, is, where do you get your water from? Oh, you're on city water with a chemical bed. Oh, oh okay. I'll stop right there, man. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, and it's interesting because even if you're doing what's probably organic um, farming techniques, you're still not certified, right? So there is, and that's where I was saying you can go down a little bit of like a political rabbit hole with this too, of like you can be following organic practices, but you cannot say your food is organic unless the government comes in and certifies your practices as organic, um, which I find fascinating <laughs> that they've found a way to make money on it. But um, we also said buy local. So most of the people that sell their produce around here, with the exception of the guy that produces 30,000 eggs, of course, that's commercial base. But the local yeah. grown farmers around here on such a family kind of barter system, Linda grows corn, I grow green beans. We both got some of each. You come in with peas and green beans, 
and uh, then we got a better mixture. Somebody else brings the eggs. That's what I'm really loving about going back home because everything, and I've always operated with an attitude of gratitude, appreciating all those things. One little quick joke that has just put some dessert right in the middle of the show real quickly, Beth. You remember that little saying, you can't have your cake and eat it too? Y'all have heard that before, right? Oh, yeah. Sure. That's not true at all. I was raised in a house with 17 people. And when my grandmama used to bake cakes, I was the one that bullied. She used to show me her recipes so I know how to bake her cake. But when we baked cakes, we baked a minimum of about 8 to 10-pound cakes. But, Beth, guess what we did with the first cake that we baked? I don't know. We took it to Linda's house. That was my grandmother's best friend. And as soon as I walked in with a pound cake for Linda, Linda said, Oh, oh, country, hang on. I got something for your grandmama. She had a sweet potato pie. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> so we go back, back and forth, fast forward to tape. We gave the first cake away. The second cake we had for dessert that night, the third and fourth cake my grandmama gave to another neighbor, the fifth and sixth cake, we put it in the freezer. So now who told you that you can't have your cake and eat it too? We had cake that we gave away. Gave away a second time, ate some a third time, and when we wanted more, we just go and freeze one. So you can have your cake and eat it too. <laughs> okay. Um. So back with like the pesticides and what I found interesting in the is it even in the original article or did I dig a little bit farther? I think I dug farther than the original article. Um, the the study that the article was based on looked at, uh, I think it was 96 people. Yeah. Um, and was looking at the levels of these pesticides in the, in the people, right, to determine exposure. On, specifically on 96 people, which is, it, it's not a lot. Um, especially if you're looking at an entire country like the United States, typically when you're looking for something that you're going to expand to um, say there's something wrong with an entire population, you need like hundreds of people, like multiple hundreds, if not in the thousands of people to be able to say like, Hey, there might be an issue. Um, I just, you know, 96 isn't that much. So so there is that. It's, it's, so it's like, okay, is it just those people for some reason? Where were they from? Um, what else did they and there's eat? Also, yeah, what else did they eat? How do we know that it's specifically this? Um, so it raises a lot of additional questions, right? And I always, I tend to always come in with this sort of like critical lens, which is just a product of what I do. But, um, mm-hmm. and there's, there's potential impacts on health. There is potential impact on health from pesticide exposure, but it's it's how much, how often, right? In addition to what it is, so you can. There's a tolerable level that's um, maintained by the EPA, by the Environmental Protection Agency, of what's allowed to be used in a certain amount of time so that the amount that's in the food stays regulated. Um, And I mean, from a personal perspective, like growing up, my grandmother's family, uh, they were tobacco farmers down South. And um, they, my grandma talks about playing outside while the pesticide planes were flying over. Right. Like they were, they were, they just played in it. Um, and it absolutely had health impacts. Um, she and all of her siblings have had a, a variety of cancers. And it's um, now when I like am asked about my family medical history at the doctor's office and I tell them and I'm like, but it needs this caveat. Like they were right. so heavily exposed to directly to these chemicals. It's not that they were eating the food that the chemicals were used on. It's that they were literally in it as it was being spread. Like that's different and that's not what most of us are exposed to. 
Um, so it's, it's one of those things where like it gets put in my medical history as family history, but then it kind of has this little star next to it <laughs> because it's like, yeah, it's there. And some of them, she's, she's gotten tested and a lot of them are not like genetic based now that there's so many additional testings that can come out. And so it's really been ruled mm-hmm. that a lot of it was that environmental exposure for her. Um, and so, yes, like high levels of exposure absolutely can cause problems. But that's not the level of exposure that we're getting when you're eating food in a reasonable amount. Um, right. And it, it is, um, you know, it is regulated. And there's, um, where, what did it come out as? A few years ago, there was that whole thing with like arsenic and rice. And I feel like this is just going to be the next, the next one. Um, and it's just you're not going to get enough of it to cause a problem, more or less. In your regular diet. Yeah, yeah I see. I got a curveball, Beth. Oh, sure. I'm, I'm not trying to be devil, devil's advocate over here, but for 10 years I was in the food uh, business. Like I'm, I'm a brand ambassador. So I've branded well over 100 different products over the last 10 years for grocery stores, and they used to pay me 35 to $55 an hour to get people to taste stuff. Excuse me, ma'am. Excuse me, sir. Would you like to I'm give sure your taste buds a joy ride? So I would invite <laughs> you over to give you a free sample because if you don't try it for free, you're not, we're not going to stick it on the shelf and you're not going to try it later. So please come over and try it. Try it. But during the winter months, I change me back from letting people taste food to asking people questions, dangerous questions, like, do you wash your food really good when you get it home? And most of the people would say, yes. Some people like me that didn't want to wait till they got home, picked that apple up that 300 people had touched that day and shined it up on my shirt sleeve. <laughs> I started asking people serious questions Again, do you wash your food? But question number two, Linda, do you know why the cucumbers and the squash and the apples and the green beans shine? Because of you, they lightly mist them with wax. Fact, mm-hmm. your body will fight off its own bacteria and enzymes, but not everybody else's. So what about the people that touched the food that you took home and ate it, processed it, without cleaning it. And then the people that did tell me that they washed their fruits and veggies off real good, I asked them, do you know what's on there? They said, yes. Wax, do you wash your food when you get it home, country boy? Yes. What do you wash it with? Water. Have you ever tried to wash wax off with water? You yeah, don't even know something. So lemon juice, again, is those bacteria, not just what's in the soil, Beth, you pointed it out. Where do you buy your food from? From the local grocery store on on side of the road to where it's not being monitored, or are you buying it into a buying your food from a monitored environment that's been touched by the whole public? Which I mean, you can counteract by washing it, right? That's that whole like, you know, how much fear do we really need to put around eating our food? It's a very simple wash things off right? Whether or not you're worried about the wax component or the fact that how many people have touched it before you did, or, you know, realistically, like if it's sitting in a warehouse, there's probably like rodents that run across it. You know, just wash it off first. Um, Same thing with like wiping down. And this is something people usually forget in terms of like a food safety perspective, wiping the outside of cans before you open them. Because um, everything uh, inside the can is theoretically clean. Yeah. Yeah. Um, or like if you're slicing a melon, to wipe down the outside of the melon first. Otherwise, you're just dragging whatever's on the outside of the melon through the inside of it as you slice it. <laughs> and then my and my point being with lemon juice versus water, most of the time when you just wet stuff or, like you said, Beth, wipe things off, you're only moving bacteria from one part of the surface to another part of the surface. 
Some people say, oh, yeah, I do mine with vinegar. Vinegar kills about 36 different types of bacteria, but if you Google it, lemon juice kills about 6,000 kinds of bacteria. So every day you will see in my little cute bottle in the, on the kitchen sink right next to the dish detergent to where I can spray everything, especially the strawberries and the cherries. And broccoli has wonderful little hiding crevices if you think you just stuck your broccoli underneath there. And, of course, the temperature of the food when you cook it. But lemon juice should be something that every household in America has, in the bathroom, in case we can't guide it good and hit the toilet seat. Or if you just want to be one of those people that want to shower and go in a hurry and don't get a chance to dry the bathtub up or the bottom of the shower curtain, if you'll mist it with lemon juice, then again, that can keep those bacteria areas cooked nice and clean and fresh for you and your family, not just during the wintertime, but year-round. Yeah, yeah, anything that's got that acidity to it can help to kill things off, which is great. And it's there are, like, you can buy special vegetable and fruit washes and stuff, which is mix up your own. Um, yeah, to get the stuff that's on the on the surface, right? And then it's really not there's not enough that gets absorbed into the food to truly be an issue for humans. It's regulated. And then what I thought was interesting that I actually didn't know is that the EPA actually goes back and rechecks um how long was it? Was it 10 years or 15? Um, I think it's every 10 years that it goes back and just rechecks stuff that was certified as safe before to make sure that it's still safe, basically. Um, which I thought was really cool. They don't just set it and leave it. It gets revisited um, at, at like a, a specific interval. I really thought I read 15 before, but this is saying 10. Um, and this is the, the Food Quality Protection Act of 1996. I was watching the food, well, I, I don't know which which station it was, but they have um, food that built America. They have, you know, toys that build America and all this. But in food that built America is from the turn of the 19th century, say, how much safer our food is and processing is so much better than how it was years ago. And that, you know, that there is, I mean, yes, there's things that can be overlooked, but and the whole, our food is, is very, very safe. Um, you know, so, you know, and, and the whole, of course, there's, you know, and that's why they have recalls because it's tested that they know that something's wrong. So if there is something is wrong, there can be you know um, action taken. But it's it's interesting. Um, it, it you know the show as I remember it showing how um, things you know meat alone is is handled so much better than it was you know. Fifty hundred years under or, or fifty years ago, you know. So oh, there absolutely. are safety safety checks. Um, you know, I, it was reading. You know, your fancy French cuisine with the fancy sauces. Well, the sauces were made um, because the meat was so bad they needed to cover up the taste and smell. You know, <laughs> I mean, when you when you think about the history of food. Um, what was come, it called? The food that made there. us. Uh, the food that built America. They, there's a whole series, you know, the the toys that build America. The, um, you know, there's a. I, I don't know if it's on the History Channel or what it's on, but they're quite interesting. Yeah, that's. Um, so I want to get back into it. I think I've only done one actually, um, or two, two, like doing YouTube reaction videos to different food documentaries. Because um, I feel like whenever a new one comes out, I always get asked my opinion on it. Um, and so it's kind of just fun for me to go watch them and then do just like a quick little, whatever, like 10, 15 minute reaction. Mm-hmm. So the food that built America, possibly on the History Channel. Let's give you a test real fast, Beth. Are you ready? I'm going to put you on the oh, spot. Sure. <laughs> I love it. 
everybody's loving beets now. For some reason, the thing that we hated when we was younger, when we grew older, we found out were good for us. I know mm-hmm. just not just here in the family, but friends and family and people I haven't even talked to, we get into these kind of conversations, and beets is one that came up a lot. Do you want to speak for a second just to give us a sample on what you know about beets, Beth? Did you be surprised? So, beets, I, I don't like them. I'll eat beet greens, I, but I will not eat beets. <laughs> because I, I love think they taste beets. Like dirt. Oh, I know. I so love beets. People love them <laughs> and think it's like so sweet. And I like, I might actually be the only person I know that genuinely thinks that they taste <laughs> like dirt. I don't. Clearly, something's wrong with me. That's a me issue. That's not a beet issue. Um, but beets just naturally um, are a precursor to, I'm going to say, I'm going to get it wrong, I always do, but I think it's nitric oxide, but it helps with blood flow. Um, So it's a natural way to help improve blood flow in your body and specifically like people that work out sometimes either um, take like a beetroot powder or supplement before they go work out or could theoretically just drink um, beet juice, which is what I used to do, um, and use that as like a pre-workout to increase blood flow to their muscles because it's going to relax the blood vessels a little bit and allow for more blood flow. So that's beets are hmm. fascinating. So, Beth, when we're talking about things that we don't like, and again, something like that, you would hold your nose and drink it down because your mom made you. But, again, powder can be camouflaged in so many ways in the smoothies with the things that you like. When I first started liking beets is when my grandma, when my mom made a smoothie and she accidentally put two hunks of pineapple in my beet, in my shake, in my smoothie, and all of a sudden it was in just some ugly red juice that I had to hold my nose and chug it down with that pineapple taste that was added to it and then my friends that I turned converted to they just added a half a teaspoon full of honey like they normally would put in their tea or coffee instead of having caffeine in the afternoon they had beet juice with a spoonful of honey I'll start right there Beth that's see I choked it down I put it in coffee and used that as my pre-workout um, instead of doing like a pre-workout powder, and I would just choke it down. <laughs> I was that person. I just I wasn't gonna try to sweeten it. I just held my nose and went for it. Um, and it worked great. I don't know why I stopped. I think I just wasn't using it fast enough, and it was starting to just go bad. And it's not cheap <laughs> to buy it. Um, I will. I have had them roasted. Like I've done like a roasted beets and sweet potatoes. Um, and I'll eat them that way. And that's, so roasting brings out like this wonderful roasting and grilling, I find bring out like a wonderful flavor to vegetables. But then that also gets into people wonder if it's adding in or not adding in chemicals, but that charred aspect of the food that you get. Um, if you get black, blackened spots on it, I know that every few years it comes back up like, oh, well, this is like a cancer-causing to have this charred part of on your food. And that, again, goes back to, like, how much of it are you having, right? Like, if mm-hmm. you're just eating the black charred stuff for your whole meal, then, yeah, it's not good. But the amount that you are eating on, like, a burger or, um, like, grilled vegetables or something, it's not it's not enough to cause a problem. Like, you have a body that's made to filter those things. And like we talked about last time, like detox anything that's coming in, like you're made to interact with your environment. Right. Go ahead. I heard a little taste of my mama's wisdom come out right there at the end of that statement, Beth. She lived to be 103 and she was not one of those people that say, I don't eat red meat or I don't eat pork. She said moderation. You said it more than one time, Beth, in three or four different ways that uh, if we're eating a balanced, keyword, balanced diet, even those things that you don't like, 
baits, can you actually ingest it and get it into your body to where you know you're not doing your body harm, but you're doing it good in moderation? Yeah. I like it sounds like your family's got the longevity mind does. <laughs> George, Carlin, George Carlin, the comedian, put it best that what causes cancer is saliva, but only if taken in small amounts over a long period of time. <laughs> because according to the news, everything. Will I, be- I believe it because if you read in the word, Linda, it says that death is on the power of the tongue. <laughs> well, there you go. So, so nowadays, modern day times, if you only knew then what you know now, don't just brush your teeth, brush your tongue. <laughs> it's. <laughs> you know, it's it's not saying, like, go out and do whatever. Like, you could certainly be conscientious of your choices, but, like, yeah. I don't know. Something's going to kill you. Yeah. Like, at least enjoy <laughs> no it. Out out. Let me give you a better way to say that, Beth. You can't get out of life alive. <laughs> no, you can't. It's, that's the guarantee. And it's just – and then you have to wonder – and this I don't think you could ever do a study on because there's far too many factors involved. But the stress of worrying about the different things that could or could not be leached into your food, that stress yeah. can also have a negative health impact. So at what point are you making it worse on yourself, like this proverbial person, right? How how um, How – much are they just making it worse on themselves by worrying and causing exactly. more damage than this other thing potentially ever could? Because um, stress will I've absolutely had, kill you. I've had I've had so. cancer twice, and my um, a friend of my friend <clears throat> had also had cancer, but she made her life so miserable and. She couldn't eat this. She couldn't do that. She was her diet was so restricted to horrible sounding weird things. She would go on yeah. these weird, and she just made herself miserable. It, it's like, and then you know, she did end up passing away. But she just made her. She was the most unhappy and unhealthy, and I think some of the problems was the weird diet that she put herself on. And I can't say the doctors yeah. or anyone put her on. She put herself on. And it's like, um, no, I mean, I I do obviously watch what I eat and um, exercise. I started up a, a new Walk, you know, I I like the um on the internet on YouTube. I can find these um exercise programs. I just started a new one, and they're just a lot of fun. They're, and this one's for seniors because I am officially. Um, but you know, it's just so I do take care, but I'm not going to go so overboard that you can't even enjoy living. Right. Uh, Linda, if if I may, let me give everybody a pre-breakfast before you have breakfast, an organic conversation with yourself in the mirror. What are you saying to you about you? Because regardless Mm -hmm. of whether it's good or regardless of whether it's bad, it's the truth if you say it to yourself. If you can break that diet, break that exercise habit, break whatever you're doing, start anew, and it all starts with self-conversation, that conversation that you're feeding yourself through your tongue, through your saliva glands, is one of the most important (laughs) organic meals that you could have for the day. Yep. I'm writing something down that we'll do next week. Um, That just made me think of it is that, the way that specifically like parents or anybody that's directly involved with children, the way that they word things, whatever they're saying about like food and exercise and health 
directly impacts the children too, whether or not they realize it. Um, and that that becomes very interesting. I'm writing that down for next week. Where's my podcast? I have color coded sections of my notebook, so that's going in podcast ideas. <laughs> <laughs> I know. You um, know. My, my mom never <clears throat> forced us to eat anything we didn't like because she hated that when she was a kid. It, you, get, you can try everything. You know, you think you don't like it, at least try it. But she never forced us. You have to eat this. Um, you know, if you really, like, for instance, I do not like yogurt. I wish I did because everyone says it's so healthy and makes a nice meal and all this stuff. I just don't like it. It just It's like you and beets. It just triggers something in my mouth that I just can't eat it. Yeah. But but I have tried it. You know, like Ron and I tried every single one on the market trying to find something that we like. Um, but, you know, there's some things that you're just not going to to eat. Yeah, and that's okay, right? Question, mm-hmm. Question, Beth. What? Sure. Are you one of those people? Now, don't let me put words in your mouth. It's not what <laughs> you say. It's how you say it. Does that have any 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 ground for you when people say that? It's not what you say, but it's how you say it. Does the interpretation on what you're saying to people about what it is that you want them to try or digest or ingest or sample, does it matter how you say it? I mean, sometimes there's like a little bit of when you're looking to get somebody to try something new, um, you know, how you're saying something certainly matters. Um, Well, Well, not necessarily new, something that I grew up and I swore up and down and until the three bears came along I hated porridge. They call it oatmeal. But now as an adult, I thought it looked like food that was already been chewed and digested and redigested. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But again, the presentation, if you ask most people about food, people want to smell food first. It, no, I'm sorry. It has to look good <laughs> first. Two, yeah. you smell it. Second, third, then you decide to taste it. So the presentation and what you're saying about what it is that you want somebody to try, does that have any validity to it? Could I make squash look good in the casserole and get you to try it? It does. So it actually, it has an impact on whether or not, especially children will try food on how it looks. Um, Adults too. I mean, but we're, generally more open to actually trying something but um but yes the presentation and there have been studies done with like um, school nutrition and um what you serve the food on and it can be the exact same food but if you serve it on like a cardboard tray versus on a plate like children are more likely to eat it when it's served on the plate um so yeah a food acceptance based on um like visual perception is absolutely a thing. My mother was a home ec teacher. And so growing up, our our pancakes were always shaped like animals. We'd have salads with funny faces on them with different, you know, different oh, vegetables great. and different. I mean, our food very, very, very creative. Um, and so I was laughing because Ron's birthday was Monday and I made, um, oh, I, I, did some chicken and I had these little twice baked potatoes and cream style corn and I was laughing. My mother would not everything was the same color. <laughs> and that would be a no no <laughs> with my mother. You know, you had to have different colors. You can't have you know, everything, you know, the same yeah, color. It's, it's so. presentation. Presentation. Yeah. And that's actually but see, sometimes they can fool you with I had uh caviar my first time served to me on silver platters and to toast it with was Dom Perignon and crystal glass. Those are the two of the most horrible things I've ever had in my whole life. Listen, what's the matter, country? Ah! <laughs> I'm trying to figure out somewhere to spit it out at. <laughs> yeah. How do you delicately just get rid of it? <laughs> yeah. 
It's um yeah, that presentation piece and it's actually one of the things that when I do menu reviews, um that like we're trained to look for is how does it appear on the plate? Like do you have a variety of colors, a variety of textures, a variety of um like temperatures, right? So is it a hot dish with a cold side salad? Is it something crunchy? and something like smooth or whatever it might be so that the the meal is interesting. Mhm. Right, like um to more than just your taste buds. Right. But, uh, yeah. Well, so that you know, it, it does with, with, the, with the color of things, it's too it's not just how it looks, but really that you're getting all the all the nutrition, you know. Um we would always have you have to have a green vegetable and a yellow vegetable or an orange vegetable, you, you know, because we always yeah. have two vegetables. Um, but, you know, so it's not really just to make everything look pretty, but there's real, there's science behind it, you know, of why. Believe it um, or not, it's just easier so, to think of it in terms of like, okay, we need a green and an orange instead of thinking like, okay, which of these things is going to be high in iron and which is going to be high in vitamin C? <laughs> Where are we going to get our vitamin A from? It's so much easier to just categorize by color, and then it sorts itself out, right? It's like how to translate all the science stuff into what people actually see and deal with, the actual food. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's funny because I looked at my mom still has some of her textbooks from college, and you know, and um, and healthy eating and different things. You know, it it really is, um, it it really is neat. And these are that's back from the forties. You know, so I would but. love to see those one day. I don't know how we would arrange it, but like I would love to see those. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I need you ladies. Here, if you came here in May for um, Memorial Day. We'll get together. Oh, and she'll, and yeah, and you grew up right there, so it's not like it's from far away. That's true. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm going to Linda, Beth, I need y'all to do me another favor. I'm, I'm in the favor season. I found out also reading the word, the word favor has nothing to do with prosperity. It means that God can trust you to do a number of different things because you've been there, done that with him before, so he can trust you with more and more and more. It's been such an interesting conversation about food and health and nutrition today. With the minutes that we have left, Beth and Linda, could you guys, if you was one of those people that kind of came on in the middle or at the last, we talked about so many wonderful things, and I don't know, Beth has already made some notes for you all for the next show next week, but kind of sum it up, Linda, Beth, could you all give us some real quick cliff notes if I had to walk away with one or two, three key things that I've heard today that I can actually take with me and let it marinate in my spirit, what would that be? To, um, Based on what we talked about today, Beth. Based on what we talked about today. Don't stress over your produce. Right? Don't stress <laughs> over your produce. Just pick up a fruit or a vegetable and eat it. Maybe wash it first. That's regulated as best they can be in the moment and it's as healthy as it can be and it's better to have some kind of fruit and vegetable than to be scared and not have any awesome exactly how about you Linda? Exactly. what would be your little gold nugget that we can take with um, us today linda just just eat as fresh as you can and don't we you know don't forget that frozen is is like beth said sometimes even even better than fresh um because um, you know it's it's picked right away, but just make sure you always have a good vegetable. I know I had cream style corn for Ron because that's one of his favorites. That's not really the best one, but um, you know just just eat 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 fresh. Um, try not to you know stay away or to not try to stay away from the you know, super processed. You know, leave the Twinkies. You know. Little Debbie is not your friend. Remember that. (laughs) (laughs) I like that. (laughs) Well, well, 
But my my little nugget would say, again, grandmama's nugget, mama's nugget, country boy nugget says, too much of anything good is not good for you. So moderation and balance is always the key. Drink and be merry because tomorrow we all may die. <laughs> well, just watch what, watch what you're eating and drinking so that it, you last a little longer. But with that, thanks, Beth. I appreciate all your knowledge. Thanks so much. And we'll continue next Wednesday um, with more health, health and nutrition matters. Awesome. Bye, everyone. Have a great day, guys. Bye. You too. Bye-bye. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.